Hello and welcome to the Addicted Austinite, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. I'm Catherine and today I'm going to be talking about The Watsons, one of Jane's uncompleted novels. And that does mean there is a warning in effect there are going to be spoilers ahead. So, The Watsons. This is a fragment of a story that we have. It's one of two uncompleted novels that Jane left behind, uh, the other, of course, being Sanditon. The Watsons is the earlier of these two stories. We're going to be talking about Sanditon next time, so I won't say too much on it here. But The Watsons was the earlier one. We think it was written... In about 1803, that's when she starts it. So if you can remember all the way back to our episodes about Jane's life, um, we'll see that in 1803, Jane is living in Bath. Now, when it comes to Bath and the time that Jane spent there, a lot of people view it as this very uncreative period in her life. She wasn't very happy that she was moving to Bath, and of course she does lose her father while she's there. And... None of her main novels get written or published during those five years, four or five years that she spends in Bath. However, she is writing The Watsons, so there is some writing going on. So what does The Watsons look like? Well, the fragment that we have is about seven and a half thousand words long, so it's not very long at all. There aren't any chapter delineations, it really is just a rough draft of a story. And the story that we get, our main character is Emma Watson, long before, of course, wonderful actress made that name popular. She has been living with a very wealthy aunt for her early life. She was taken away from her family. She's got four sisters and two brothers. And she was living away with this aunt. The husband of this aunt dies and the aunt rushes into a second marriage, which is very ill-advised and nobody's really happy about it. Especially because Emma then gets sent back to her family because either the husband or her aunt doesn't want to look after her anymore, basically. Emma's left with nothing from this deceased uncle, even though it would appear that he really liked her and he had tried to set something up for her. But it's a very sort of sense and sensibility situation in that he gave the discretion of how Emma would be supported to his wife. He left everything to his wife and said, look after Emma. So of course, as like Fanny Dashwood, she sort of wheedles around and tries to figure out how she can do as little as possible. And poor Emma, she's shipped off back to her family, who are in much more dire financial straits than she was ever used to living with her aunt. When Emma moves back home, she gets to talk to her sister Elizabeth, this is her older sister, and she sort of learns what's been happening with the family while she's been away. Um, Her two brothers are married and they're out of the family. Her sisters are all still unmarried, even though there has been a bit of flirtation with all of them to one of the local gentlemen, who it seems is a bit of a player, shall we put it that way? This is Tom Musgrave. He has been flirting with every woman under the sun. Um, 
and one of Emma's sisters is is in love with him and is sure that he's going to propose to her, though evidence would suggest that he probably isn't. Emma, during this little excerpt we have, Emma goes to a ball and she starts to meet some of the local people as well. She meets Tom Musgrave. She also meets the Osbournes. Lord Osborne is a young man. He's very, very rich and he's got a lot of good friends, including Mr. Howard. And he is important. We'll come to him in a second. There's a lovely little scene when Jane dances with a little boy. He is part of the Osborne entourage, so to speak. And he gets stood up for his first couple of dances, which is just heartbreaking. And Emma steps in and she says, I'll dance with you. And that really endears her to the Osborne circle. Of course, there is a little bit of a, oh, this is a shiny new toy. Let's see what she's all about. But she really doesn't dear herself to the family with this move. We have a visit from Tom Musgrave to Emma and Lord Osborne as well. They've taken a shine to her, but she's really not that impressed. She is more interested in Mr Howard, who she danced with at the ball as well. And that's really where the excerpt ends. It's really not a very long passage and we only have time to sort of set up some basic family dynamics and village dynamics and so forth. And I must say it is a wonderful piece of writing and I am so devastated that she never finished it because there is so much potential there. Unfortunately, we don't know what it was that made Jane stop writing The Watsons. There are suggestions and there are theories, one of them being that this is the time when she's losing her father and she didn't want, she just didn't feel in the mood to do any more writing. There's also some theories that the intended storyline for the Watsons far too closely resembled Jane's own circumstances after her father died and she didn't want to continue with it and it was just hitting too close to home for her bless her um and there are other theories that she just started it and sort of just left it behind what we do know at least we know via Cassandra, Jane's sister, that there were plans in place for where the story was going to go. And Edward Austin Lee, he describes in his memoir what Cassandra said that Jane said was going to happen. And what he said is, Mr Watson, Emma's father, was soon to die, and Emma to become dependent for a home on her narrow-minded sister-in-law and brother. She was to decline an offer of marriage from Lord Osborne, and much of the interest of the tale was to arise from the dowager Lady Osborne's love for Mr Howard and his counter-affection for Emma, whom he was to finally marry. So that is an interesting idea, and... It is sort of where I saw the story going, I have to say. When I was reading it, you could sort of tell that there were two ways that it was going to go. Either that Tom Musgrave was going to sort of fall in love with her and she was going to sort of change him for the better. Sort of a Mr Darcy, 
um, Henry Crawford from Mansfield Park kind of situation. Or, of course, it was going to be that Mr Howard was going to become her love interest and that, again, like Henry Crawford, Tom Musgrove was going to try, along with Lord Osborne, but she wanted to stick with Mr Howard. It's interesting that we have another triangle going on, that Lady Osborne quite fancies Mr Howard as well. Lady Osborne isn't Lord Osborne. Bourne's wife she's his mother <laughs> just to mention I, I hadn't actually mentioned that and I think it's an important detail if you're thinking why on earth is she aiming for someone else uh, no she's his mother <laughs> it's interesting because that's not necessarily a storyline that Jane has done we've had Louisa Musgrove because Jane really likes reusing names. Um, of course, going after Captain Wentworth while Anne still has feelings for him in Persuasion. And we have the two Bertram sisters in Mansfield Park sort of fighting over Henry Crawford. But it would have been really interesting to see where Jane takes that idea. And of course, again, we've got more sense and sensibility connections with the idea of the sister-in-law and the brother being quite narrow-minded and a bit stingy and probably not very happy at having to look after their sisters which again sort of the Fanny Dashwood Eleanor Marianne kind of dynamic that we had in Sense and Sensibility so it really does have all the hallmarks of a good Jane Austen story and of course the fact that she has left behind ideas of where the story was going to go means that there have been quite a few attempts to finish this story. There have been quite a few different attempts to finish the Watsons over the years. Interestingly the first continuation of the story that we get is actually before the fragment has ever been published. So the, the uncompleted version is published in the 1870s by Edward Austin Lee, and the first continuation was actually in the 1850s. This was written by Jane's niece, Catherine Hubback. She continued The Watsons, and she published it as her own story called The Younger Sister, and she finished it and made it into her own novel. She does mention Jane in her foreword to the story, but she's made a lot of changes. Character names have changed, and the first part isn't a word-for-word copy of what Jane left behind. It's an interesting continuation. The reception for this novel hasn't been great, I have to say. I think once people knew that it was based on a fragment of a Jane Austen story, it radically changed how people were feeling about it. Because Catherine wrote it as a very Victorian novel. She changes a lot of the plot and the themes to fit the more sort of moralistic themes and attitudes of the Victorian era and the middle classes at that time. And that, of course, is completely contrary to Jane's own views and feelings and what she's trying to do with her novels. 
And The Younger Sister is a good Victorian novel. What it isn't is a good continuation of a Jane Austen unfinished story. And there was a lot of criticism of this continuation. Though, bless his heart, William Austen Lee, the nephew of Catherine, he tries to defend her and sort of blames Jane. He says... um, She was having difficulty, having placed her heroine too low in a position of poverty and obscurity, and therefore, like a singer who has begun on too low a note, she discontinued the strain. (laughs) So he's basically saying it's Jane's fault that it didn't work out because she put Emma in too low circumstances to begin with, so it was always going to be hard for anybody else to finish that story. Which, interesting perspective... But as we've seen before, particularly in Sense and Sensibility, it's a story that works and Jane does it very, very well. And at the end of the day, a poor workman blames his tools. (laughs) Let's put it that way. There have been more continuations over the years. However, it wasn't until about 50 years or so after the publication of the unfinished manuscript. So we've got a version in 1923 titled The Watsons, a fragment by Jane Austen and concluded by L. Oulton. And this, um, it included the preface of Austen Lee's original introduction in the 1870s, which most people sort of assumed is an attempt to give it credibility. When this version went over to the States, they tried to sort of double down on the authenticity and suggested that uh, Miss Oulton had carried out the task with the permission of the Jane Austen family. They say that she has carried out her task so successfully that the reader will share with the members of the Austen family to whom she showed her work an inability to recognise the place where she took up the story from her distinguished predecessor. However, uh, it was not very well received. There were a lot of criticism, including from a contemporary reviewer uh, that says... Soon after she has taken up the tale, we become aware that all the rich reality has faded out of it, and from being, as it were, a perfect little Dresden group, it has shrunk to a two-dimensional drawing. For all that the author is often successful in hitting off Miss Austen's style and intonation. So, it's really not great, unfortunately, and again, another unsuccessful continuation. There was then another attempt to finish it five years later. This was entitled The Watsons by Jane Austen, completed in accordance with her intentions. And this was written by Edith, who was the granddaughter of Catherine Hubbock. So the lady that wrote the first continuation, her granddaughter has come along and tried to finish it. According to the introduction to the story, Edith's version is an attempt to sort of separate Jane's story from that of Catherine Hubbock, though from reading it you can really see that she has relied on her grandmother's story quite a bit. There was then a further attempt in 1958 from John Coates, He ended up with a lot shorter of a story than the rest of the continuations. But he also changes a lot of what happened. He renames some of the characters and so forth. And again, it's not one that achieved great reviews. 
There were further attempts in 1996, 2005, 2008 and 2012 um, by various authors. But again, they really weren't very successful and they weren't very critically acclaimed. And the most recent version is a very recent version. This is uh, from 2020, so this year, uh, by an author called Rose Servitova. She's an Irish author, and she actually won the Bronze Prize in the Self-Publishing Review Book Awards for her version, The Completing of the Watsons. And it did actually receive some good reviews. I haven't read it yet, unfortunately, um, but I am very excited to read it and see what she does with it, especially as uh, the Regent Jane Austen's Regency World magazine described the novel as very satisfying, sometimes moving, and often laugh out loud hilarious, which certainly sums up Jane's writing style as well. <laughs> so that is the Watsons, a seven and a half thousand word beginning of a story that Jane writes in the early 1800s and which has gone on to have quite the afterlife via continuations from her family and from other authors as well. If you haven't read this extract of the Watsons I would really recommend you do it. It's a great little piece of writing and as I said it is such a shame that Jane never finished it for whatever reasons. It is a shame but I'm glad that we at least have some of it. If you do want to read the original manuscript, the Jane Austen handwritten version, unfortunately it's a little bit of a trek. It's in two different places. Most of the manuscript is in the Bodleian Library in Oxford, so it's quite easy to go and see if you're in the UK. The second part, a smaller section, is actually in a museum library in New York called the Morgan Library. It's a little unusual that it is split into two like that, but sometimes that's the way that things happen. The manuscript got passed from family member to family member and it was split up and it was moved around. The Morgan Library got hold of their part, the Bodleian Library got hold of their part, and they are both sat there at the moment, so it's not complete. So you're going to have to sort of hop across a rather big ocean if you want to read the whole thing in Jane's own handwriting. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austenite. I hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, please do like and subscribe and share it. And comments are always welcome. I'm on Twitter and on Facebook as Catherine Price Author. So drop me a line. I'll see you next time for a new episode, which is going to be talking about Sanditon. And until then, as ever, happy reading. Your faithful servant the author.